Good to have you with us today, Thrive Church. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 25 as we continue our series in the teachings, the parables of Jesus. Well, I have a kind of an embarrassing thing to share with you today. Uh, when I first had my first opportunities at ministry, uh, it wasn't very good. Matter of fact, today, some of you may like the fact that I teach, uh, but there was a time that I failed utterly. And what happened was I was told uh, that I needed to teach the young adult Sunday school class. I was around 21 years old at that point, and I stayed up late like most 21-year-olds do. And I'll never forget that I didn't prepare for that, that class. I had a bunch of notes that were written down on one page. It was all kind of like chicken scratch. It was just, it didn't make any sense. I didn't prepare at all, to be honest with you. Wasn't prayerful, wasn't thoughtful, didn't prepare. Not only that, but I did not prepare the night before. So at Thrive Church, what I do is usually my Saturdays are my Sabbath. And what I have a tendency to do is, is I actually make sure that I conserve energy on Saturday. And why would I do that? So on Sunday, I have all my energy for you, right? I go to bed early. I don't stay up late. I make sure that I'm, um, I don't work out too much on Saturdays. So I have energy for the church. Well, I didn't do that. At 21 years old, here's what I did. I stayed up to 3.30 in the morning playing video games. And the alarm clock did not go off. You know, the whole thing, I didn't set my alarm clock. Back then, when I was 21, that was 19, that was 20 years ago, um, we didn't have phones that, that, you know, that were good alarm clocks. We had an alarm clock, and the alarm clock didn't go off. You know why? Because I failed to set the alarm clock. So guess what happens? I showed up 15 minutes late to the Sunday school class, and nobody was there. And when I went into church after Sunday school, one of the young adults said, yeah, we were waiting on you, but, you know, after 15 minutes, we decided to go ahead and just go on into the, the sanctuary and hang out till then. And I had to call and talk to the Sunday school teacher about that. I had to tell John that I was not prepared, I didn't set an alarm, and they didn't have the class because of me. And in that time, I'm going to tell you, I still feel that pain to this day. I can still remember that day and the, the sinking feeling of getting there late and nobody was there. Why? Because I had a lack of preparation and a lack of planning. And a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus shares this with his listeners and in Matthew 24 and 25, what you have to understand is, is Jesus is kind of ending the plane for his ministry. He's landing the plane. He's ending things. And he speaks in Matthew 24. It's called the Olivet Discourse, uh, if you read that. And it's kind of some of this ap apocalyptic type uh, you know, language where it's like, you know, you'll see this in the last days and famines and earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars. And he sets them up. And then in Matthew 25, all of his parables deal with judgment. They deal with the last day. They deal with the fact, and here's what he's getting it down to, is that you and I one day will stand in front of our creator and we will give an account of our lives. And so in Matthew 25, Jesus actually opens up with this parable that's a little, uh, you know, hard to understand at first. Now remember, as we've been studying the parables of Jesus the past several weeks, as we look at this, do not make the mistakes that I made, and we'll jump into those when I used to interpret this passage. It's not allegory. You don't look at every detail. What we're going to do is we're going to read this and figure out what was the one thing that Jesus wanted them to know, and what can we know today? So look at Matthew 25, verse 1. He says this, and again, he uses parables to explain. What is it? It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. 
And so he's trying to get them to understand about the kingdom of heaven, about what, not what religion is, but about what the kingdom of heaven is. And he says this, the kingdom of heaven will be like this future. <clears throat> Ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, watch this, and five of them <clears throat> were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come and meet him. And all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Now, that day and time, you didn't turn the switch on, right? You didn't use your phone as a flashlight. Your lamps had to have oil in them, and you lit them. We have one of those actually in our dining room. That's an antique that my mom had, and we would use from time to time. I'm not that old, but we still used a, a lamp like that. And look what happens here. It says, then the five foolish ones asked the others, Give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. It's like, hey, look, you out of luck, you out of luck, shawty. There ain't enough oil for all of us. You in trouble. That's, that's today's translation about the oil there. But look at this here. The others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. What Jesus used here with this parable was he was showing them about the return one day, what he'll have, the return of Christ. As you look at this, this should bring some fear to you about the future ramifications of not being prepared, not being ready for the return of Jesus. And this parable at its heart shows that the five foolish bridesmaids, remember because Christianity is compared to the marriage feast, Christ is the bridegroom, he's the groom, we're the bride, the church. And you see this, this, this analogy that Christ used to show them that these people here were not let in to the marriage feast. In the book of Revelation, we know that this is the analogy Christ used because, again, you see this idea of what they call the marriage supper of the Lamb. And at its heart, here's what Jesus was communicating. There are people who were not ready in that day and time for their master's return, and guess what will happen? When Jesus returns again, or your number is called one day, you may not be ready either. And there'll be no opportunity once the opportunity is over for that. There'll be no option to try to say, hey, we've come back and now we are ready. And so when I look at this parable and begin to study this parable, at the heart of this, the difference between the wise bridesmaids and the foolish ones was one major difference. The wise ones foresaw the situation and prepared extra oil because the, the master was delayed. The foolish ones didn't, and they paid the price for it. And so when we look at this here, I mean, simply, let me just say this, 
Be ready for the return of Jesus. Be ready when your number is called. You have no idea one day when um, God's going to call you. But let me say this to you. Is that when we look at this, this parable, there's something even deeper there that goes just beyond that day. And the one word you got to understand about this parable is the word preparation. Preparation for the future. Planning for the future. And so if you have your notes handy, if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down because here's today's big idea. The now can be the biggest obstacle to then. One more time. The now can be the biggest obstacle to them. That's what happened to those guys there, right? They're now, they fell asleep, they didn't go get oil. Their current situation caused them to not prepare for the future. And what we can take from this uh, this parable is the truth that we must be prepared in our life. We must make sure that we're making preparations, that we're, that we're planning. Can I tell you this? You are never rebuked in Scripture. God never says it's wrong to plan or prepare. Matter of fact, Jesus said what cost these foolish bridesmaids the most important decision in their life, the most important future event, was a lack of preparation. And I want to tell you today that in your life, that you will miss out on future opportunities for the fact that you didn't prepare. And so when you're looking at preparation, you've got to break this down. Um, I mean, there, there's four different types of preparations that we have to make in our life. Uh, the first one's eternal, and that's the core of this parable, right? So like when you look at the, of Matthew 25, eternally they weren't ready. Like they weren't ready to meet their maker, as you've heard before. They weren't ready for the return of Christ. So you have to, in your life, make eternal preparations. Make sure you are right with God, that you've repented of your sins, that you've given your life to to Christ, that that you're right with him and you're right with people. Make sure that you've made that decision and that you're living for Jesus eternally. That's so important. I'll never forget my grandfather. He was one of these guys who was, was someone who I looked to. He was a very convicting individual. Well, when he had his first heart situation and he was in his late 70s, I remember a family member calling him and the family member said this. They said, Papa, I'm praying for you. That's very nice, right? But here's what my grandfather said back to that individual. He said, don't pray for me. You need to pray for yourself because you're not right with God. You don't follow Jesus. You don't love Jesus. And if you died, you'd go to hell. Son, if I died... I would beat Jesus today. That was on the phone in the hospital, y'all, right? Like, that was my grandpa. Like, like Papa just dropped a bomb. He put him on blast on the phone. But that's the truth of the matter. I was like, don't pray for me. You need to pray for yourself. You don't have eternal preparations made. And so we have to make sure that we are eternally ready to meet God. The second preparation that we have to make in life, too, secondly, comes down to generational. And many of us don't think about generations. We don't think about generations to come. We're only focused on now, only focused on our own life. And we have to focus on the generation that's coming next. We have to focus on our our children and their children and what would their lives look like. And so everything you're doing with your children today, you're preparing them to teach their children one day. You're preparing them generationally. Um, For me, I told you about my grandpa, generationally, he impacted my life. He is with Jesus. He's been with Jesus since 2006. 
Today I'm preaching the gospel because I had a grandfather who did not shy away from preaching the gospel to me. He preached repentance from sin. He preached heaven and hell. You may not like that, but can I tell you, this guy here is here today preaching the gospel because someone thought beyond their own selfishness. So you got to think about generationally, even at Thrive Church. I think generationally, there is a generation that will come after my quote-unquote regime. There are generations that will come after us. And we have to think about that. We have to think about the generations that are to come in our life. Now, the kids that you look at in kids' church today in 15 years will be very influential in the church. Are they leaders today? Sure. They just don't have the influence that they will have in 15 years. So our children's ministry is always thinking generational. Uh, the third preparation you got to make is long term. Many of us don't think long term. It hurts our brains to think long term. We don't, we don't think about at 65, at 70, at 75, at 85. We don't think long term. And the younger you are, listen to me, the more you need to think long term. If you would give your child and put $150 into a retirement fund at 18 years old and put that in there for them and help them with that, then they could retire at around 55 years old. But see, the reason we don't do that is we don't think long term. We don't, we're not prepared for that. We're not preparing our children or preparing the next generations behind us. And long term, think about retirement. Like our financial advisor, we don't have a lot to do doing retirement, but we're doing it. He has us thinking about what will your future look like then? So now all of our decisions we make for then, I mean, I mean, for now are based on then. We don't buy certain things. Uh, we drive cars that are paid off, right? Some of us are driving our retirement around. I know your car looks cute. I know it's got the newest gadgets on it, but you're driving your retirement around because you don't want to drive something that you think makes you look bad. I don't care. Some of us are wearing our retirement. Your nails and your hair are pretty. Just don't complain when you get to retirement age one day and you put all your money in nails. Think about it. Some of us, our retirement is in credit cards because we're choosing to live in debt. Think about long term in your life. Think about spiritually long-term in your life. Are you setting up your heart in your life to follow Jesus long-term? Have you dealt with offenses and bitterness? Are you falling more in love with Jesus long-term? And then the final preparation you got to think about is short-term. Yeah, you need to think three to five years, one to five years. That's short-term. In the next five years, what are three goals that I want to see happen? Like, I'm 41, so I have some goals that before 50, I want to see happen in my life personally, financially, with my, my child. There's things I want to do. My wife and I have things uh, for us that we want to see happen short term. And so many of us, though, we only think short term. We don't think eternally. We don't think long term. And we don't think generationally. But you have to be prepared. Remember, your now may be destroying your then because you're so focused on what you want now that when you get to the future, and you get to that place, it is going to hurt you in your life. And so we have to understand that God wants us to prepare, plan, sit down and think about what is my plan to get out of debt? What is my plan for, the, uh, for my child's education fund? What is my plan for this? What is my plan for that? Because here's the thing. If you and I, if we do not prepare and plan, we're going to have one of those bridesmaids experiences where the door 
is shut. And what happened to them? They were caught by surprise because they did not plan. What happened to me? When I showed up to the Sunday school class, I was caught by surprise. And here's what, for you and I, here's why it's so important. If you only focus on the now, the future will catch you by surprise. You're going to show up to a season in your life and say, I was never ready for this. Wow, I wish I would have planned for this. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you, you got to a point, you said, why didn't I prepare for this? Why didn't I see it coming? Because you probably never sat down and thought, that day will come. And what if this happens? See, I had a professor in college named Dr. Looper. And Dr. Looper was a tank driver. Um, he taught New Testament Greek. Um, he taught all the, the New Testament biblical interpretation classes. He taught us how to understand the parables. And Dr. Looper was the toughest professor I had. He was the tough, but I loved him the most. I learned the most from him. Some of the professors that are your toughest that you don't like, you'll learn the most from. But here's what he said one day. We had several students show up from the computer lab. Now, for all of you young people watching, a computer lab is when you didn't have your own computer, but you went to a lab with a bunch of computers, and they only had one printer, and you had to print. And guess what happened? If that printer messed up, you were straight out of luck. You were SOL, straight out of luck. And so what happened is several students show up, and their papers are, you know, are not ready. They come in late, kind of like the bridesmaids. And Dr. Looper said this. He said, um, he says, I have a big problem with all of you who've shown up late. He says, you will receive Fs on your paper. I'm not going to grade them with a curve. And they were all like, what? Like the bridesmaids, right? The door was shut. He said, I don't expect you to prepare 120 days for this class in advance. He said, I don't expect you to prepare and have your papers ready 120 hours. He says, 120 minutes would be good. That'd give you ample time if something went wrong. He says, but to go to a computer lab 120 seconds before class is a lack of planning, a lack of preparation. You did not take this assignment seriously, and you need to understand the consequences for it. You're getting an F on it. Luckily that day, I was not one of the 120 second minute hour people that he talked about. I'll never forget that because he said it uh, to the class and how it affected them. Now, I want you to understand something. Noah prepared the ark before he ever needed an ark. If you think faith is living you know, by risk and you're just kind of like flying by the seat of your pants and you're just wasting money and you don't care and you're doing that, we tell this to pastors all the time, then you're not living by faith, you're living by presumption. Noah wasn't presumptuous. Noah knew the day would come because God told him that rain would come and he started building when everybody else thought he was foolish. See, Proverbs tells us this. It says a wise man foresees evil and hides himself. That's the wise. A prudent man foresees the evil, looks into the future and understands that bad days are going to come. These things will happen. We'll get sick. Setbacks will happen. People will die. A prudent person foresees that. And it says that the, the foolish or the naive or the simple just go on and never even consider it. They pass on and they are punished. And my fear for many of us today is that we're more like the foolish bridesmaids. We're more like the naive or the simple. And we keep getting in situations where doors are shut, opportunities don't open. We're not ready for things. At Thrive Church, can I tell you this? We planned for the recession. We planned for it. Eight years ago when I got here, 
there was June 1st is, is eight years. That's crazy to think about, like eight years. This weekend, eight years ago, we moved here with a little U-Haul. That was the smallest U-Haul we could get. That's all we had. This church uh, had about three months to make it. That's all it had financially. I had a very part-time, meager salary. And at that time, what we did was we prepared and we planned and we were frugal with every dollar that we had, with everything that we had. Uh, God blessed this church, has continued to bless this church. And here's what we did the first year when God started blessing us. Here's what we did. We made sure we set a recession fund in place because all of us remembered the crash of 2008. And I said recession will come and we set a recession fund in place. I had no pastor friends that were doing that. They were like, you're crazy. Why do a recession fund? Things are great. See, that's, that's the thing. If you don't prepare for the future, it's going to catch you by surprise. And so here's what we have to do. Here's the action step that we have to take. Here's what we have to do about now and then. You have to have mindset shifts. If you don't change the way you think, you'll never change the way you behave. So you've got to go through a, a, a way of changing the way that you think. See, some of you are arguing with me in your mind right now. You're saying, you don't understand my situation. No, yeah, I don't. You're, some of you are saying, yeah, but, but how do you live by, uh, by, by the Holy Spirit? Well, here's the thing. Well, if you prepare so far out, say, I prepare my sermons a year out in advance. Now, can we change things? Sure, we can change things. But can I ask you a question? Does God know what's going to happen in June of next year? Yes. Does God know the people who will walk through the doors? Yes. Did God know that coronavirus and COVID-19 would happen? Yes. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing's occurred to God? That was D, right? Because God doesn't live in time. He's not like, oh man, oh, I didn't see that coming. And so the Lord can speak to my heart a year out and say, you should do this series. And this will impact people. Why? Because the Holy Spirit gives us the mind of Christ. And so some of you think that living by the Spirit means being presumptuous. And that's not what it is at all. Uh, living by the Spirit means that you are carefully and prayerfully planned and prepared. But you've got to have mindset shifts. And here are four major mindset shifts that have changed my life. And I want you to understand these. I want you to write these down. And you've got to have these. Number one is this. I am a current product of my quality of previous planning. Say it one more time. I am a current product of my quality of, of previous planning. What does that mean? I said this last week. If you don't like your harvest, change your seeds. Some of you don't like the harvest of your life. You don't like the harvest of your relationships. You don't like the harvest of maybe your health situation, your financial situation, your spiritual situation, your emotional situation. Some of you don't like the life that you see around you. But here's what I know and you know. You planted seeds for this. You made decisions that got you here. And here's what you have to do. You can't pray your way out of it. You've got to make decisions. You've got to plant seeds to get your way out of that. If you plant seeds for a thorn bush, what's going to happen? What will you have? You will have what? Thorn bushes. And some of you are surprised at your life surrounded by thorn bushes when you planted the seeds years ago for that. And so I want to encourage you that change your, 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 your planning processes right now. Take time to sit down and say, I've got to change my planning now for the future. Your life is a product of your planning. As a matter of fact, here's what it's like. 
want you to think about this. In your life, in every bad decision that has happened, there's one person who's helped you make those. It's you. You have been the culprit in every bad. You have talked yourself into every bad decision you've made. You talked yourself into that, in, into that relationship when everybody said it was wrong. You knew better than that. You knew better than that. You talked yourself in, into quitting that job. You knew you should. You talked yourself into taking that job somewhere. You knew you shouldn't have. You talked yourself into eating that, right? When I had my ice cream last night, I talked. I said, you deserve it. You had a good workout today. You eat that ice cream, right? Like, like the bad decisions that I make, I'm the one doing it. Change your decisions by changing your planning, by looking at then and then sculpting your life now by what you want in the future. It's what I want most over what I want now. Here's the second mindset shift that you and I have to make, and it's this. If I prepare for the worst, the worst really happens. Think about that. If I prepare for the worst, the worst rarely happens. I mean, there's a, a, a pastor that I follow that has been at the same church for over 45 years. There are 13,000 people. He's one of the most brilliant minds ever. Here's what he said about when they go into making decisions for the church. He said, before we ever enter a decision to launch a campus to do something, we have already made an exit strategy before we ever go into it. He says, we prepare for this. We ask the question, what if it all goes south? What is the fallout plan? You say, well, that's not having faith. Oh, yeah, that's having faith. That's being a wise steward is what that's being. Listen to some of the previous messages about stewardship and what Jesus says about that. And so for many of us, we don't prepare for the worst. We don't think about what's the worst case scenario that can happen. We just kind of live life thinking about now. We never think about then. And so when it hits us, we're caught by surprise, just like the bridesmaids. Prepare for the worst, and guess what? The worst will rarely happen to you. Here's the next mindset shift you've got to make. I will not let what I can't control stop me from what I can control. Now pause there for a second and listen to this, because this is key for so many of us. I will not let what I can't control stop me from what I can control. When you talk about preparation and planning, you say, well, I can't control this variable and that variable. What about this? What about that? I can't tell you about the whatabouts, but I know what I can control. And it's called the paralysis of the analysis. Some of us are so paralyzed because we're overanalyzing the future and overanalyzing all. Oh, what about this? What about that? Look, here's what you can't. You can control your plan. Well, I can't. You can control your preparation. What if, you can control what you do now for the future. I can't control the economy. I can't control this, the stock market. I can't control you know, certain diseases that may happen to me. I can't control tragedies. I can't control certain crises. But here's what I can control, my response to them and my preparation for those things in life. And so I don't want you to, to in your life, to stop planning, preparing, because you're so paralyzed about all the what-ifs. Yeah, things will happen. But go ahead and make the plan anyway. Can I tell you this? We didn't prepare or plan to do a parable series. When, when this coronavirus hit, I really felt the Lord tell me to change the series we were in, put them for next year. And I felt the Lord say, you need to teach the parables of Jesus. I just felt it. I, don't, I didn't hear a voice, but I changed that. Because we had already prepared for something totally different. But here's what I could control. I couldn't control the coronavirus. I can't control the uh, when we meet or not meet. But here's what I can control. I can control the quality of content that I pray and prepare for you every week. And finally, here's the last preparation that you and I have to make when it comes to mindset shifts. You've got to have a shift. And here's what you have to do. 
I will not put off until tomorrow what I can do today. That's what the bridesmaids did. They were tired. And they put off getting extra oil. And what happened? The most important thing happened. They weren't ready. They weren't ready when the door was shut. And many of us, are, are we, we keep saying, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. When then? Yeah, 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 I would love, again, I said this earlier, I would love to have more quality time with my children. And I'll get there, but I'm just really, really busy. Now I understand about the business of life. But can I tell you this about putting things off to tomorrow, that what you can do today about procrastination? Procrastination costs those bridesmaids their eternity. In our life, let me say this, procrastination will cost you and I way more than that too. You may be ready for eternity, but can I say this? The door will shut one day on a lot of things. The door is going to shut on your children one day. One day they're going to go off to college. Maybe they have. You only have your children for this. If they, my son's five, I said, son, I said, you will only be five once. He says, what does that mean? I was like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, in your life, you'll only be this, this age. We, we, you never get this to replay again. So make sure that you don't let the door shut in your life on the things that matter most for you. Don't let the door shut financially health-wise, spiritually, what is that for you? So Thrive, I'm praying for you, and I'm praying that you will make the right decisions to plan and prepare for then, now. Stay tuned for next steps.